So I think we have a problem on this show where we keep talking about franchises that maybe shouldn't be franchises. Yeah, I think you're uh, right. Now, everyone, let's sit down and talk about 12 films. Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. I don't know if I'm going to put this in the episode, but are we going to talk? We're talking about the Rob Zombie ones too, right? Oh, yeah. We're talking about all of them. Fuck yeah. So that's, I'm trying to think of how many. Oh, man, it might be more than that. Uh, it, it, it's too many. We're around 11 or 12, I think. Oh, my God. 11 or 12 films. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Waffle Press Retrospectives. Your host, Diego Crespo. With me, as always, is Matt Garingo. Hello. We're here to talk about a very special little horror movie. Well, franchise, but the first one's very special. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yep. It's a very good movie. Have you heard of it? But why is it such a good movie, Matt? In fact, let's talk about the first times we discovered this very good movie. How old were you? Um, Probably like eight, because I had a very irresponsible parent. Um, as I've, As I've mentioned on this show... Uh, I'm not sure. This was definitely one, though, where I was aware of it for a couple of years before I actually saw it. I, like, I, you know, I heard the legend of Halloween and how scary it was. And then I watched it, and it was pretty scary. Um, so it's just a creepy movie. He's always outside those windows in this. I remember that as a kid. That was the stuff that scared me. Was you could, like, see him in the window, and then he'd be gone. There's my academic analysis of what makes Halloween scary. <laughs> uh, I was a little older. I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school mm. when I first saw this. And then I, I kind of hopped around with the sequels because they'd be like on TBS for whatever reason. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember TBS. I remember AMC every year would show all of them. Every Halloween. I, okay, maybe it wasn't TBS, but the, TBS showed like one horror franchise on there for whatever reason. Mm. I never understood why, but it might be Halloween, it might be not. If anyone knows who's listening to this, maybe they did it later. Please let I, me know. I'm I'm talking about middle school years, so uh-huh. that's when that's when I think I saw the whole franchise. Um, although I'm not sure if I've actually ever seen Halloween Six. That's the curse of Michael Myers, the right? Curse of Michael Myers. Okay, because. Uh, it's a that's one's boring, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just that one. Well, no, uh, actually, we'll get into it, but I think there's something to say about all of them. And six, there's something to say about how colossally fucked up the whole production of that was. But uh, oh yeah, there's two versions of that. That's like this franchise's Alien Three. Oh yeah, there's like except it'd be like if there were two versions of Alien Three and they were both Alien Four. <laughs> <laughs> it's not; they're neither are worth a, a shit. <laughs> but uh, we'll get into that. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was I was a little older. Um, it didn't scare me when I was watching it, but it had this weird effect on me where it creeped me out. Like it made me kind of walk around my my house at night a little like uh, more uncertain. You know. Yeah. It, the, the the darkness felt a little creepier. It, that's that's odd. Or maybe it's because I live in Southern California, and I know exactly. The streets where it was filmed on. Yeah, that. Uh, are you telling me this didn't fool you for Illinois? <laughs> nope. The the clearly green trees and the, <laughs> the schools with uh, doors on the outside of the classrooms. Uh, you know, Illinois, that hot weather where you can do all that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it didn't really. It didn't scare me. Um, like another horror film, which I'll bring up later, did. Uh, but it did creep me out. I think the reason why maybe it didn't scare me is because of another neglectful parent in my life, um, who did not have that many, uh, cable stations as a child when I was a kid. So, uh, instead of watching cartoons, I watched shows about how serial killers are caught. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. Uh, the prosecutors, these to reenact all the, the crimes on that one. Oh, no. Yeah, that's fun. Oh, sounds like it, I guess. So I learned about uh, Charles Ng and Leonard Lake when I was about eight. And you might not know who they are, but the people who do are now sitting back going like, holy shit. <laughs> and I will not explain who they are any further. Uh, so I think that maybe tempered me on the idea of guy coming to kill you. Uh, but that was, uh, that it was different. Um, a different culture for when this came out because Halloween actually predates the term serial killer. Uh, it wasn't a term that was widely... I don't know if it had even been coined by the time the film came out. It definitely wasn't widely used. But the 70s was the golden age of serial killers, if you can can, can call something like that a golden age. Yeah, I was going to say... yeah. Uh... I don't know if that's the proper terminology, but I, mean, we got, I get what you're saying. We got Zodiac, Son of Sam, uh, Ted Bundy. They were all running around around this time. I think I think Son of Sam was caught like immediately before this. What an asshole. He said his dog told him to kill people. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I also, I think I should mention um, something before we go any further, because uh, I was I had like all this stuff set up. And then I listened to another Halloween podcast, and they kind of talk about exactly what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) So I'm going to repeat a lot of what they said, but I don't want to sound like I just took it from them. But I want to give them credit because it's a good podcast. Um, It's called Halloween Unmasked. It's a really good... uh, It's ongoing. I think they're only like four episodes in, three or four. Um, And uh, three talks about a lot of the stuff I kind of wanted to talk about. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to just bring it up casually or just go... No, no, well, I'm going to I'm gonna get into it right now, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and the other thing I'll bring up is uh, there's a great, like, 50-minute video uh, by Nick Spheres on YouTube. I think I've mentioned her on other episodes of this. Um, she makes good videos about horror films and analysis. And uh, I'll definitely, there will definitely be some overlap with stuff she mentions. Um, but I will try to avoid too much and you should check out both those things for more in-depth discussion i don't think another podcast would tell you to listen to another podcast (laughs) um, in the middle of it but that's what i just did (laughs) Uh, 
So I, the only one thing I will not be talking about is how is I won't be talking about phallic symbols represented by knives. Okay. Because I don't, I don't fuck that. <laughs> That's the one place I don't go. Read men, women, and chainsaws, and then I'll have Shannon yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, I think it's important to know that, uh, this is like kind of the early age of serial killing, um, when this was going on. Well, one thing I I just would like, I think it's important to know, um, because let's just, uh, a serial killer who was caught around this time, um, was a guy named Edmund, Ed, I think, I just know Ed Kemper, um, who was recently pop, popularized by the show, uh, Mindhunter. Which is on Netflix right now. That's what that show is called, right? Yeah, the David Fincher one. Yeah, he the, the guy I'm talking about is the very charismatic, tall, fat guy. Who everyone was. I like, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, all right. He's a serial but killer. And I heard it's very good. He's the best part of it. Um, series is kind of, eh, but it's fine. Um, Ed Kemper needs to be brought up because he was caught in '73 after he killed a bunch of co-eds, and then his mother. Um, he did a. Uh, He did some creepy... I won't go into exactly what he did. Uh, The important thing that he did was uh, he, when he was a child, killed his grandparents because he wanted to see what it would be like. Uh. And he was sent away. And then they let him out. And that's when he became a serial killer. Which reminds us of a certain guy we're talking about today. Um, And I wonder if that had any, any, any influence on John Carpenter. Uh... Another guy who uh, I thought who I thought of as a more uh, recent killer, but I think uh, fits Michael Myers uh, more uh, accurately, is a guy named uh, Charlie Brandt, who uh, in 1971 walked into his house. He was a, he was a child, and uh, he shot his father and his mo- his pregnant mother, and was going to shoot his sister, but the gun jammed. And then the sister kind of talked him down, and then he said, what did I do? And uh, the father actually lived through it. Um, The mother died, unfortunately. Uh, This uh, Charlie Brandt got help, and by all accounts, he went on to live a normal life. Until 2004, um, when he uh, spent the night at his, uh, I believe it was his niece or sister-in-law's place. Uh, with his wife during a hurricane. Um, he spent the night there, uh, and then no one heard from him for a couple days. So someone went to investigate. Uh, the door was locked, so they called the police. And when they came inside, they found the bodies of all three of them. Um, Charlie had killed his wife, his uh, sister-in-law, and then killed himself. And what makes it even creepier is that uh, the way he killed his uh, sister-in-law or niece, I'm sorry for not remembering that, um, matched a bunch of unsolved killings from the area, which he was later linked to. Uh, Yeah. Oh, no. This is... Wow, that's really fucked up. Yeah, I kind of wanted to give some examples of guys who go away and then don't get better. (laughs) (laughs) And then get out and do worse things. Um, Which is a thing that happens. Uh, also I should point out, John Carpenter read the book, uh, The Mask of Sanity, um, which is a book, uh, one of the first books about psychopathy, um, and, uh, I believe that's the book, uh, where, when they were originally studying, I think I've told this anecdote, 
back on the Hannibal shows, but when they first did uh, clinical studies of psychopaths, uh, a guy turned it in uh, to um, an academic journal and it got rejected. And the response was these results could not have come from human beings. And that's what psychopaths are. Oh. Um, they, they don't operate like we, like normal people, which I, I that might be a bit strong for me to say because people will disagree on uh, how much psychopaths can be helped. So far, there's no known cure to psychopathy. Um, but John Carpenter read that, and I think that's a little important. Uh, the book was published in 1941. Um, also, The Mask of Sanity. Eh? Uh-huh. Eh? Uh-huh. That ties into the opening and the rest of the movie. Yeah, that'll, uh, we'll talk about masks more <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> um, but I just think, I think that's a, you know, I think that's important. <laughs> It's important background context for the filmmakers. Yes. Yeah. Just the culture we were in at the time. Because this is when the country really shifted from monsters being uh, the enemy. And a brief uh, sat- Satan was the enemy for a bit in the early 70s, <laughs> thanks to The Exorcist. And this is when it kind of shifts to human beings. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, cultural context in which the movie, a movie was made is important. Some people want to pretend like it's just a movie is just a movie and there's absolutely nothing else to it. For everyone who thinks that, 99.99% of the time you're going to be wrong. Like, that's, that's just a fact. Movies uh, are impacted by a lot. The people that make them, the culture they're made in, and the people that produce them, and the people who watch them. It's a whole bunch of factors. That's why film criticism is an important thing to help us recontextualize things and to keep these conversations alive. And two, you've brought up an interesting point a couple shows ago about very overproduced horror movies. Like nowadays, if you see a trailer for a horror movie right off the bat, not just because it's a horror movie trailer, you can tell by the look, the sound, yes. the, the act. It, you, you know what you're getting into. For something like Halloween, you kind of, if you just get a clips of the daytime sequences with Laurie Strode and her friends, you do not really get that sense. I mean that in a, in a good way. Like, it, it feels lived in, the world of, of Halloween, uh, with Lori, her friends, and uh, specifically the nighttime sequences. But that's when it's like pure terror. So that doesn't really work with my example here. It takes a little while before the, the oppressive night of Halloween becomes truly terrifying. Yeah, I had forgotten how vicious it was. I, I don't think I ever realized, like, just how perfect of a movie this is. Like, oh, it's, yeah. Y- you kind of know. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's one of the greats. But it's never something I really went back to time and time again. I think, honest to God, this might be the first time it fully clicked with me. Like, 100%. Every little moment registered with me and haunts me. <laughs> and I was just kind of, like, completely glued to my screen. Just, like, forgot about the outside world kind of caught myself catching my breath every once in a while. And so I had a lot of fun revisiting this. And fuck, and John Carpenter can make a movie. Yeah, man. That's why he's the best. He he, he might be up there. He, he's top five for me, he's like my, at least. He's, he's my favorite. That's perfectly understandable, I mean. Mm. Well, we'll talk about it some other day probably, but like he kind of trails off a little bit, and that's not always entirely his fault. It's not but, like Paul, but he also did a really good episode of Masters of Horror that I think is really underrated, and that's like really towards the end of his career. 
I need to watch. I know which one you're talking about. I need to watch it. Cigarette Burns. It's really good. Yeah. Um, but back to Halloween. The opening. One, did this inspire the opening of Manhunter? And two, is that a microcosm of the entire movie experience you, you are about to watch? And three, what inspired this opening? <laughs> which, I think Everything. which I think is another important thing. Uh, Everything not... you talked about, but I feel like you have something else. I do have something else. Um, there's a uh, film. I, you know what? I this is where I'm bad at doing this show. I was gonna like double check and look up like other POV shots in films. <laughs> I actually have that written down on my notes to do, and I just never did it. Uh-huh. But you can Google it. You can while I'm talking, I guess. Okay. But uh, I I I was I more want to talk about. Uh, you don't have to. Because okay. I, I more specifically want to talk about uh, a film that precedes Halloween that is also a holiday set slasher film called Black Christmas. Um, <gasps> Black Christmas is uh, told almost exclusively uh, from the point of view of the killer. Not like the whole story, I mean, but when it comes to the killer, we don't we only see his eye and his hand. I believe. Uh, we get a silhouette occasionally, but we never really make out who or what the killer is. Um, and the opening shot of that movie is the killer uh, POV sneaking into the sorority house. There's a lot of parallels between Halloween and Black Christmas, um, including uh, incompetent police and uh, 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 someone realizing that the house is actually full of dead bodies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is a big part of Black Christmas. Black Christmas, by the way, is a fucking terrifying film. <laughs> I watched that alone like three years ago, and it fucked me up. <laughs> I had never seen it before, and it's terrifying. And I feel like I got to point out, because the director of it, uh, Bob Clark, who also did A Christmas Story, and <laughs> the Baby Geniuses films, and Porky's. There's a... There's a there's a filmography for you. Hell yeah. Uh, he uh, he gave an interview towards the end of his life uh, where he said uh, he talked to John Carpenter about Black Christmas, like right after it came out. Like I guess John Carpenter said, hey, I liked your movie, Black Christmas. And Bob Clark said, I always thought about doing a sequel where I'd set it on Halloween. And so Bob Clark kind of claims that John Carpenter, he does not like in a vindictive way. He just says, oh, I kind of inspired Halloween. Which is an interesting little note, but at the same time, uh, I know that it, Halloween was not at all John Carpenter's idea. <laughs> the producer was the one who came up with it, uh, who said, uh, I want to do a movie about babysitters getting uh, stalked by the boogeyman on Halloween. And uh, at one point it was called The Babysitter Murders, and then they changed it to Halloween. Because I guess they realized that name hadn't been copywritten yet. <laughs> it hadn't been trademarked in any way. Uh, Wait, was The Babysitter Murders that was, that was copyrighted by something else? No, no, I, I'm saying that they found out Halloween wasn't. So they oh. fucking call, call it Halloween. Oh, so that title's still available, right? Um, it was at the time, I think. Okay. Because uh, I... Is there another movie called The Babysitter Murders now? There probably is. I mean, yeah, because like that—that's like a fun kind of B movie trashy title. There's so. probably one called The Social Worker Murders by now. I mean, there's so many fucking slasher films made. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the part-time fireman murders. <laughs> it just keeps getting more and more obscure. Um, but I do think John Carpenter took a lot of the techniques that are used in Black Christmas and took them and used them in uh, Halloween. Uh, not as a knock to John Carpenter, because I think it's... I, watch those two movies back-to-back if you ever have the chance. Uh, no, uh, no, but I will do that now because that sounds fucking great. Folks at home, I believe they're both on Shudder, if you have Shudder right now. Um, but uh, you can see how a lot of the techniques carried over, but John Carpenter uses them in very different ways, and the opening is one of the best examples of this. Uh, because we in Black Christmas, it is unmistakable that it is the killer in the opening. We we know from the start that that's who is uh the, you know the heavy breathing you got everything in Halloween we're slow we we don't even realize it's a POV shot at first we think it's an establishing shot and then we slowly realize it's a POV shot and then we slowly realize it's the POV shot of someone up to no good <laughs> and we could probably make the leap that he's probably a killer and then only at the end is it revealed that uh, the killer is a little boy um, in one of the best reveals ever. And we're just forced to sit with that for like a minute while the camera pulls away with the theme. And, oh, that's horrifying. I like studying the body language of the parents as the camera pulls away and the kid just stands there with a... a, uh, not, you know, not exactly an evil expression on his face. Yeah, he, he looks, like, lost and confused. Mm-hmm. And there might be a reason why he put a mask on uh, before he did it. But we'll get into that. You want, you want to get into that now, or do you want oh! to... Oh! <laughs> okay! <laughs> we're, we're not there yet. Okay. Um, I said this was a, a microcosm of the entire movie experience. Uh... Because when we're watching it, once you recognize that you're in the, the point of view of the killer, you're working your way in from like this this huge establishing like canvas, and you start working your way into the house. The framing gets tighter and tighter and more narrow until the killing happens. Right? Like even when the mask comes on, it even like makes our viewing experience feel more like claustrophobic. Yeah. And once he takes the mask off and the reveal happens, right? We we see like the breadth, like the, the width of his violence. And it's he just kills one person, but it's still like horrifying, you know? Like how many slasher movies don't even have like half the impact of that one scene? I know. In their entire runtime. And I just I just think that's fuck. Here's look, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of this at movie. You, the prowler. Prowler's not a great head explosion though. I think the prowler ends with a head explosion. I'd never seen The Prowler, should I? You don't need to, <laughs> unless you're in the slasher <laughs> films. Um, I had a face. Yeah, it's in the garbage. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I think uh, they, that's a movie where they try to have that there's a red herring that the guy in the wheelchair might be the killer. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm going to watch this like tonight. And you're like, no. <laughs> it like, doesn't work at all. If you again, if you have Shutter, uh, Joe Bob Briggs with the last drive-through, uh, last drive-in, I mean, uh, drive-through. 
That's that's the next slasher right there. The last, the last drive, drive-thru. The last drive-thru. He just stands in the drive-thru window and then kills his victims, but then it becomes a problem because the cars just line up. <laughs> but it's in LA, so everyone like no one recognizes it. Everyone just gets really mad at the lines. No, yes, but he only gets but he can't leave the window. So he gets like two, because it's one of those weird Burger Kings that has like the two drive-thru windows. <laughs> that like I don't know why they still have them because they never use both of them anymore. <laughs> but, like the one just has boxes stacked in it <laughs> yeah the last drive through <laughs> coming to theaters never 2019 um, yes thanks Blumhouse yeah Blumhouse hit me up buddy <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta get that Blumhouse how about that Blumhouse <laughs> well be thankful if they well, I I don't know if we should be thankful yet, but they're the reason the next Halloween got made. Yeah, we're not. I'm not sure yet, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested. I'm hopeful. Hopeful. I, I like David Gordon Green, but let, let's let's stick to this one. I'm sorry to get us off track a little bit. <laughs> um, getting off track. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie was shot by director of photography Dean Cundey. I'm a huge fan of his. He's known for working on the first Jurassic Park. Halloween, Escape from New York. Who uh, did he do the fit? Who? Oh yeah. Um, did he do the fog? I'm thinking of someone else. He might. Yeah. Have. I'm not sure who did the fog. Okay. That's well, he did a fuck ton of really great movies. He did most of Carpenter stuff. Yeah, he, he's done a fuck ton of great stuff, and he hasn't done a fuck ton of great stuff in a while. He's done a lot of stuff recently. He did, he did Jack and Jill. <laughs> yes. And I don't know what happened. Got to get that paycheck. I don't know if he's an asshole or maybe he pissed someone off. I just... The theory I... Because this isn't the first like old cinematographer I've seen go this way. I've heard there's been a problem with older cinematographers adapting to digital filmmaking. Oh, that could make sense. I've heard that's been a big part of it. But I don't know. know. Uh, not, Not to, again, derail... But uh, there's this great THR roundtable. Those things kind of annoy me with the interviewers. But when the interviewers let the like the, the artists talk about their craft and stuff, it's, yeah, it's the interviewer could just shut the fuck up for five minutes. Yeah, and let them uh, it's, the it's just one. In. There's one who's like intrusive as fuck, but the other ones are okay. I guess it's um, the one I always fucking get when I want to. Yeah, you know, we know <laughs> we know exactly what we're thinking of. <laughs> uh, um, but Robert Ellswit was on the last one for the the early 2018 one this year. And he he's tried to start the conversation about film versus digital, and everyone else has kind of like rolled their eyes and just like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. And like Roger Deakins is like, I'm tired of this conversation already. <laughs> like, because <laughs> everyone else like they like working in both formats. Deakins is pro digital now, but Ellswit was saying like he couldn't figure out how to not make his digital stuff look not clinical. And they're just like, you know, just take out the fill light, you, like move some stuff around, and like they they have like these really basic responses because. Or they they've, they've adapted. Or they dunking and on each other. <laughs> I, they're dunking on Ellswood. I felt bad because oh. he was just like, like he was kind of asking, but he was also kind of like old manning it, like back in my day with film, you know, film. I like the way that looks. And it's like I, I get, I could see that happening for a lot of older DPs. I still argue film is better projected. Well, because no one knows how to fucking project shit yeah no one knows at all but if you get a chance to see a film projected it's great new beverly coming back december 2018 yeah boy i'm on the other side of the country 
It's okay. I get to go see stuff projected properly again. Yeah. I'm excited. Woo! Been this United Artists Theater near where I live that's actually been doing some film projection. So I've caught some like classic films, but I have to drive like a fucking hour to go see it. Uh, I'm in LA and I still have to drive an hour to go to the New Beverly. <laughs> yeah, you live on the same block as the New Beverly and you still have to drive an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, half an hour if there's like no traffic, so. All right. God bless America. I've never seen Halloween projected, though, anywhere. That could be interesting. Yeah, I really want to. I want What's that. Halloween? No, that was The Shining in Twister. You remember Twister? Yeah, I just know. I just remember Bill Paxson's in it. I saw that when I was like 10. Uh, it's heading right for us. It's already uh, yeah. here. <laughs> He's not in it for the science. <laughs> Tristan fucking sucks, man. But they got they're gonna drive through at one point, and I think I for a second I thought the movie they were watching was Halloween, but I think it's The Shining. Oh, there's another movie that makes a guest appearance in this. Uh, oh, it's is John Carpenter. Two, two movies. Huge... Two movies. Oh, two. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter is a big Howard Hawks fan. I don't think I've ever seen a Howard Hawks movie in my life. What? But yeah, yeah. I'll go uh, watch one. <laughs> so. Uh, I guess two of his productions cameo in this. At least, at least one of them's a Howard no, Hawks one, movie. One cameos in it. Okay, what's uh, the other one? Uh, well, the thing from Other World cameos. That's Howard Hawks, which he produced but did not direct. But everyone. Oh, okay, no. So I have I've seen a produced Howard Hawks movie. But uh, he uh, everyone says he ghost directed it. Mm. Um, and uh, the other film in this is Forbidden Planet, which is a movie about uh, the the id taking form and attacking people which i don't know why john carpenter would put that in this halloween film i can't imagine <laughs> can't imagine why um you ever see forbidden planet man long ago oh man forbidden planet rules just gotta get past get past the horrible sexism <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's fucking everywhere back then. Like, I started watching Dick Van Dyke show recently because it was on Netflix. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh, this is hilarious, but the gender stuff is kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, good thing we live in this post-gender paradise. Yeah, where nothing is wrong and all people are equal. Everything's going great. I don't want to fucking it's, kill the president. It's going so great right now. I've never felt better about any moment I truly believe in the institutions that are here to protect citizens. I think things are here to stay, and that's a good thing. The system works. Let's talk about the system <laughs> failures that have failed Michael Myers. Yeah, or was he beyond saving? Um, well, according to Dr. Loomis, <laughs> he was beyond saving. Um... In reality, that's probably not true, <laughs> because uh, according according to Doctor Loomis, uh, he says in the film that uh, uh, he was, I believe, Michael Myers uh, was six years old when he killed his sister. Was he six or seven? Yeah. Um, uh, Doctor Loomis spent the first eight years trying to talk to him, so he talked to the kid until he was sixteen, and then. At that point, he decided this kid's beyond help, and then spent seven years trying to leave him locked up. So Michael Myers escapes when he's twenty-three. Uh, 
you can't make an official diagnosis on someone at age 16. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually, it's not even allowed usually. Like, I don't think you can diagnose someone with like schizophrenia until they're at least 25. Because um, your brain isn't fully formed yet. <laughs> You're a developing person. <laughs> so I think Dr. Loomis might have made some mistakes. Yeah, don't say. That's one reading. One reading of this you can take is that Michael uh, was, um, he definitely has issues. Um, one, uh, that he might have had a deep psychosis. Uh, you can actually, you know, there's enough pieces in the opening to maybe put together that he had neglectful parents um, who are not around on Halloween night for some reason. And I guess he was trick-or-treating alone, which is a sad thought. Um, and, you know, he kind of, he, he kind of, uh, he's observing his sister with a boyfriend before he murders her. So you could maybe extrapolate that he's possessive of his sister. And also he murders his sister while she's in the nude, which could add a whole sex element to the thing, which, uh, you know, that could be a problem. <laughs> If you're underdeveloped. Uh, so he could have just been a kid with some problems. And Dr. Loomis instead decided he was the embodiment of all evil. And then reinforced that idea in the kid's head for the next seven years. So now the kid breaks out thinking he's the embodiment of evil. Um, and desperately craves the humanity he doesn't have. Which is why he feels the need to don a blank expressionless human mask. Because he doesn't exactly wear a Halloween costume. He just he wears a human face as a mask. Uh, the other thing is that Michael Myers is the embodiment of pure evil. And it kind of started driving Loomis crazy to have to deal with. So those are the two readings you can give. Well, the filmmaker, John Carpenter, seems to believe that Michael Myers is the embodiment of evil. There we go. Yeah, I think that's the general like consensus. But mostly just because a lot of people don't really talk about the specifics of like Halloween. A lot of people just say like, well, it's one of the scariest movies ever made, which it is mm. uh, <laughs> like no taking that away. But uh, look at like the impact of what, what's going on between these people in this movie. And I, I think there's whether or not John Carpenter intended it or otherwise, I think it's kind of, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not really essential by this point. At least I'd argue that. Mm hmm. Because um, you're right, 16 years old, that that's not a, a human being yet. That's a that's a child, honestly, you know, a it's, teenager, but still. Halloween is very interesting because it's it's a product of its time where we believe that people just go crazy and kill people. We don't know what a serial killer is in the 70s, but we know they exist. You know, but we haven't given them a clinical name. So for all we know, they are evil, and that there are people like this, and they're common. You know. That there's, mm -hmm. nothing, there's really nothing that odd about Michael Myers in the context of the culture in which this film was made in. Now, fucking 40 years out, we can look back with a whole new perspective and interpret it just as accurately as, you know, it, 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 the, all the things kind of line up to today still. And you can get a completely different reading of the film. Uh, I disagree on the lack of discussion, though. Among, I think Halloween is one of the most discussed horror films online in terms of like what led to what and there's a there's a big online fan community for halloween i know because i might have been a part of it when i was 13 <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe i'm just not seeing as much of it as i'd like to 
You're you're but, you're no longer in the age of like forums. Everyone's on Twitter now. Yeah. Forums are so much better. Uh, where you just go to a place being like, hey, we all like fucking Halloween. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and on Twitter, it's great because they're like, I like this thing. You're like, fuck you. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you fucking. You f- you Waste. fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like Halloween. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, actually, it's overrated, and the movie's not even that scary. There's actually, no blood, so actually, it's not scary. Halloween 3 is better. I'm a very smart person. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love being on Twitter because someone could be like, hey, Empire Strikes Back is actually not that good. And I can be like, you can fucking fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get it. You're really smart because you fucking get a lot out of Revenge of the Sith or Solo, you fucking losers. <laughs> I've seen some discussion on Twitter lately that's been getting under my skin. <laughs> well, okay. Um, as you can tell, this is where I yeah, clearly vent. this is where I kind of vent about those things. Um, shout out to Dan. Doherty, or whatever his name is. Dan Doherty. How fucking old are you, Dan? You're too young to be talking to me. <laughs> I'm a horribly jaded adult. You've got some innocence. He still has his whole life ahead of him and we're yeah, like, cool. defeated. He hasn't reached that moment where he realizes that all the films he's consuming are completely worthless and will not improve his life. Aw. I don't believe that. Dan, I don't believe that, Dan. Dan, none of this will save you. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. <laughs> sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a Halloween. He's, you know, Dr. Lewis is kind of an irresponsible um, authority figure. Um, what if Dr. Loomis was a Jordan Peters? <laughs> Evil has come to your little town, Sheriff. <laughs> Blank expression of his eyes. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the photo for this now, right? Uh, Jordan Peters. Jordan Peterson is Dr. Loomis. I met him 15 years ago and I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no conscious no understanding. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up forever. <laughs> I realized <laughs> they're living behind those boys' eyes was purely and simply evil. <laughs> you know, that would make perfect sense in today's age. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That's what Dr. Lewis would be doing. He'd be vlogging. <laughs> Trying to convince us that to clean our rooms and that evil exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then he'd continue praising the book of Henry. Yeah, oh, God. Does he like it? 
Yeah. I, I know that. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. And then I fucking like called him Lobster Man. Uh, <laughs> of course. I think uh, the book of Henry is the type of film Dr. Loomis would make. Because <laughs> murder is justified in that. Violence is a redemptive act, Diego. Did you know that? <laughs> That's why we all constantly commit violence against each other. It's all justified. That the, oh. that's, that's Starship Troopers where they're like, everything we do is force, and force is violence. <laughs> so that's why violence is like the key to all of society. That's a good movie. That's a very good movie. It has fuck all to do with Halloween, though. So. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, so how do you view Michael Myers? He's someone who was let down by society. We live in a society. We Matt. live in a society. <laughs> and we let him down. Uh, no, but I mean, he's a little boy who is clearly like going through something. Of course, we're seeing this through like, like you said, like our modern lens mm-hmm. into like this kind of material. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with reading it that way now. You know, it was, it was more simplistic back then. Uh, even if they just didn't understand it, it comes across as that. And that's not a bad thing either for, for the time. But I think we've also kind of moved past um, clear-cut serial killers and motivations, so to speak. I think, I think it's more complex an issue that was going on with Michael Myers. And it, that's, it's no one helped him. This is an interesting point because I also think this movie is very much a statement against ignorance. Uh, because, um, this is actually brought up in next year's video a little bit, um, but I, I've seen it in the film where, you know, by the end of the movie, like, Michael Myers is not even credited as Michael Myers in this, he's referred to as the shape, um, so he's not even, like, a real thing, <laughs> he's not even dignified with, like, a human name, but throughout the movie he's referred to as the Boogeyman, which, you know, the Boogeyman isn't real, mm-hmm. and, uh... It could be seen that, and, you know, there's, like, all these legends about the Myers house, like, don't go up to it, it's, you know, it's creepy, and because it's kind of a statement, you know, like, about how if you don't educate your kids about the shit that happens in the real world, it might come back to bite them in the ass, because by the end, Lori absolutely believes that she was attacked by the boogeyman, because that's the only way she can process what happened to her that night. Yeah. And Loomis confirms that to her. Yeah, so he's so, not he's not helping. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck this guy. Yeah. Um. So Loomis, yeah, he's a he's more of a problem <laughs> than a, a health. <laughs> and uh, like when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, he's he's like the hero. And now I'm just like, this fucking guy. <laughs> this is all his fault. I think my favorite, maybe, maybe not all of it, but one yeah. of my favorite things I've ever done is I go to, I used to, I go to those Halloween horror nights like as as often as I can, which are at uh, Universal Studios, um, in Florida. I think I don't know if they do it in Hollywood. Yeah, they do. It's I I really like it. it it's they're really cool, and they did uh, the Halloween they did Halloween one year as a house, which like you're if you've seen the movie, you're like how the fuck do you haunt a house about it? And it's to do all the scenes from the movie and to just make shit up that didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> but that's fine. But the last room is Dr. Loomis shooting Michael Myers. 
<laughs> so it's like literally an actor like will pop out of the corner and shoot him six times and then go back to where he was standing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it was the fucking most hysterical thing I've ever seen. Um, and then when they did Halloween 2, like a year later, that was the opening of that haunted house. <laughs> so they repeat things at Horror Nights, but it was great. Oh, uh, still related to that. Uh, this year for Halloween Horror Nights, they're doing Halloween 4. Specifically, Halloween 4. Hey. The return of Michael Myers. You could do that. You could. But why? Well, they. <laughs> I, I don't know. They're doing something where they did the Halloween, they did Halloween 2. I'm guessing they didn't do Halloween 3. Oh, that one would have been fucking great. That would have been great. But no one fucking gets that movie. Yeah, no one would. It, it would confuse the fucking shit out of everyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, Halloween 4, I mean, I don't know. They're just, they're doing all the films, I guess. But like, uh, did they do like one and two the previous years? Like recently? That's what I, well, that's what I just fucking said. <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't know how long ago this was that you went. Um, I, I don't know. Two years ago was the last time I went. I think they did Halloween 2 then. So it. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, I guess it does. It's just because I didn't know that. It just feels so odd, mm-hmm. like to just toss in Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers mm-hmm. for the year where they're actually making another Halloween movie. To me, I think it's because that's the only one of those like slashers they own. Uh, I think the one year they did do like a bunch of different ones, and but they had to like get permission to do it. And then since then they've, and I think they own Chucky too, so there's usually a Child's Play one. Um. I'm really glad Universal is now going to reboot the Child's Play franchise. Yeah, because it's not like they're still making them, and they're not like a lucrative franchise not, or their budget size. It's not like the last two have been really fucking good. Yeah. You fucks. Don't put... I hope Brad DeRift doesn't do it. No, I, I think everyone who's been working on these new movies is kind of like, fuck off. Yeah, I, I would hope. Brad DeRift yeah. seems pretty loyal. Yeah. Well, also, uh, they're not they're not using a, like a serial killer. It's going to be a malfunctioning doll. So it's just like another killer doll movie. Oh, that's fun. That sounds so much... That sounds fun. <laughs> it almost sounds like they had another killer doll script laying around, and they were just like, put Child's Play on it. It's almost like all they actually own is the Child's Play name. It's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I like killer doll stuff, but I don't want to see this one because of that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I don't mind killer doll movies. They haven't made a good one in a while. No, no, they did. De- well, I like the Puppet Master movies now, I've realized. Even most of them are, like, really bad. Uh, but, like, that that's my sweet spot. That's that's a biased opinion if there ever was one. Fucking but I, I get people not liking those. The fucking sci-fi channel. <laughs> fucking hype the shit out of... Puppet Masters versus Demonic Toys. I haven't seen that one. Though. I fucking bought into it and I like waited all day to watch it. Um, so uh, when you watch that at some point in your life <laughs> and then wonder why you did, um, just understand that a, a, a nine year old Matt waited all day to watch it. And it was a very, as, as you would wait for a new episode. Of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> they were about <laughs> equally as important to me at the time. Oh no. Sci-fi channel marathons and cartoons. 
It's a weird, weird things going on at the same time. <laughs> the puppets are Nazi assassins now, which is that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's a big change. Isn't that the first movie thing. though? Uh, I don't. I I fucking barely remember the first puppet. Movie. Okay, the pup it establishes that the puppets are good or evil depending on who the owner is and what they're set out to do. Like they're basically. As good as the person who controls them. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that. And I also heard that it was the family, like they, the family. Ah, whatever. Fuck the puppet. That's the fucking talk. <laughs> the fucking puppet masters. Oh Christ. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the fucking puppet masters. No, no. Retrospective coming next March. Fuck no. Do we want to talk about Laurie Strode? I. Just blanked on the actress's name. <laughs> and I don't have it in my notes. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a minute. Jamie Lee Curtis? Jamie Lynn Spears? No. Yeah, you got it right. Okay. I can't. That's never happened. That probably has happened. But, oh, my God, that was scary. Um, a lot of people refer to her as one of the original Scream Queens. They are right to do so. She does a lot of screaming in this. There's a lot of screaming. Uh, but I, I had kind of forgotten, like, she's actively, like, fighting against Michael, like, during the finale. Like, it's oh, yeah. never... She does drop the knife twice. Which I've heard even Jamie Lee Curtis is, like, pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's... But, uh, no, she's... That, hot that's off that's of... a great character. This is, uh, she's hot off uh, uh, an episode of Columbo where she played a waitress for two minutes. So this was like her big breakout. After her previous big breakout on Columbo. Yes. <laughs> if you're on Columbo, you've made it. That's not true. Columbo is full of people who all they ever did was Columbo. Oh. <laughs> I just think Spielberg directed the first episode of Columbo, and then no one who directed any of the other episodes ever went on to do anything. Oh, no. So, hey. Whatever. Um, no, she's, this is, no, she's really good in this. Um, but she's always referred to as, like, you know, the virginal, like, last girl. Like, that's kind of where you get this stereotype from, I think. Yeah. I honestly think you get it more from Friday the 13th, because Friday the 13th just blatantly copied every detail of Halloween. Except it sucks. Yeah, Friday the 13th's fine. It's fine. It's a campfire horror movie. It's fine. Uh, I don't hate it. I, I don't want to come across that way. Just like it's just nowhere in the same league. Yeah, like I don't, I don't care about them. Yeah, um, I'll get into it later when we talk about trashy horror sequels in this yeah. in this series. But there's a point where I could care. But uh, you know, not, not here. Laurie isn't totally innocent. She smokes weed in this. Oh, oh. living Jeff, on the edge. Look out, Jeff Sessions coming after you. <laughs> oh, wait. Jeff Sessions is scarier than Michael Myers. Yeah, but don't worry, Lori. You're white. So she's good. You're she's good. good. You're good. He'll let it slide. And then maybe you can sit on the Supreme Court. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we should point out uh, her friend's name is Annie Brackett. Is that it? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't remember her first name, but her last name is definitely Brackett, and her father is the sheriff named Lee Brackett, who is named after 
the screenwriter, Lean Brackett, who was the woman who did the first draft on Empire Strikes Back. Woo! Also wrote a bunch of uh, westerns, which is probably where Carpenter knew her from. And also uh, was the queen of the space opera. <laughs> I got to tie all these things together. No, no. I mean, we, we, that we've hit all those beats in previous retrospectives. Makes I, sense. I brought up serial killers. And we've come full circle. Star Wars. And now Jordan Peters, I guess. <laughs> Jordan Peters is, is going to be like our arch nemesis on this show. Yeah. He's, uh, he's our uh, Michael Myers, I guess. Yeah, like every retrospective needs like a big bad, and the world is full of them. So this for this retrospective series, it, it's Jordan Peterson. Yeah, he's, he's just low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, he's... much like the quality of the rest of these movies. Mm-hmm. Well, not not all of them, but a handful. I like these movies. This is actually my favorite slasher franchise. Low bar, but I I, I can kind of agree. I can't think of anything else that comes close, which is saying a lot. Out of the, the all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are really oh good. fuck never mind no no I'm more of a nightmare guy yeah I apart get... from the first and third Halloween and Halloween two of this it, nightmare nightmare for me for you sure like, you like Halloween two uh I like one of the Halloween twos and I'll leave it at that for now that's that's interesting <laughs> yeah because either way we're having a fight. definitely afraid of sex in this i mean it's, it's very underlined in this story um because uh, her friend sets her up on a date with the one guy and she's like oh don't do that <laughs> and all her other friends they cannot stop talking about sex which is not something i don't think should be i don't think that should be thro- frowned upon i i i agree with you because you're fucking you're fucking <laughs> a high schooler you're, yeah. you're gonna, you're excited. Although, act like you've been around the bases a few times, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> How about when fucking Michael Myers puts that ghost costume on? Fuck that. That was fucking scary, man. Fuck that. That was so scary. What the fuck? You know, that didn't bother you? Yeah, no, it's scary as oh, fuck. I, I thought you were like, fuck that is in, that's a bad scene. No, no, by the ending, the movie's just like this nightmare well, like shadows are like overcoming everyone's faces, and you can barely make out what's happening, like intentionally and in a good way. My violent screaming has destroyed all meaning of the f word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I, I destroy vulgarity, um, but no, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, he put the glasses on outside, so that's some commitment. Yeah, like I like that. That could be that could also be two readings, like. <laughs> He's still trying to like find some semblance of like a human a human face, mm. or he's just like fucking with her by that point. Michael Myers likes fucking with people. Yeah, that's like all these movies. He likes fucking with people, which can also tie into a serial killer thing, which is that uh, serial killers uh, they get bored very easily just killing people, which is why there tends to be breaks between when they murder people, uh, or they start getting more and more violent. And maybe for Michael Myers to mix it up, he's got to play some jokes. Uh-huh. 
um, which is why uh, he stole that headstone and l- somehow carried it around with him all day and got it into that house. Yeah, and you know what? I, I fucking love stuff like that. It's you know fine. why? Because I don't need it to make sense in real world. This no, is a movie. You don't. How did he do it? You're right. He carried it around all day. Yeah. We didn't see it because it's not important. It's not important. There you go. Yeah, that's that's the reality that this film set up. Yeah. How did John Goodman burn the hotel down in Barton Fink? You don't need to know exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> What does it mean for the movie and the story and the scene and this fucking million moving pieces in a movie? Yeah. Sorry, it's not going to be realistic in every moment of it. Plot hole. Fuck cinema sins. Yeah, those guys are funny. I'll fucking shoot you in the mouth. They go, hey, look at that. And you go, yeah, that happened. And then you fucking die. Now, before that, there's a pre-credit sequence where they'll complain about a scene not having a lap dance if they're not clever enough to think of a joke in between. Yeah. Yeah, fucking 20 minutes, you definitely need to work that lap joke, lap dance joke in. <laughs> fucking bastards. <laughs> oh, fuck, fuck them. Oh, uh, yeah, hey. Um, they also need to tell people that we need to stop raising awareness for breast cancer. Which reminds me of the time my friend uh, found a tumor in her breast and she called me sobbing. And I had to talk oh. about So yeah, don't, breast cancer is not a problem! Wait, did they actually say that? They, 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 when they were testing out their CinemaSins thing, they basically did the same formula, but like used it to complain about other things. Oh god! One of it was like, let's stop, like, it's so stupid that we do the breast cancer awareness thing during the football game. Because it makes the football players wear pink. And it's like... Well, now I actually hope that they... I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say I, shit, I, I, but I, I hope harm befalls them. I hope, I hope they realize what they're saying. That's my... I don't think... You know what? I used to be optimistic about that. I, I don't care anymore. I don't I, believe I it'll stop. ever... I don't believe it'll ever happen, but that's what my ultimate hope is. Like, it's... Understanding how cruel you were is more satisfying than violence befalling them. It won't happen, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I, I agree. But I, you know, if, if they get in like a car accident, and they're like, I got to rethink my life. Also, they made a whole video okay. about the breast cancer awareness thing and didn't really talk about the fact that sometimes we do those breast cancer awareness during sporting events, and the money doesn't actually get to these cancer groups. Um, it's just a way for the uh, NFL to look good. While they're basically forcing their players to murder each other, <laughs> that's why the last Boy Scout's the best football movie. But anyways, Halloween. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, we we just covered a lot of ground. We right covered now. a lot of ground, but uh, let's talk about. <laughs> we were talking about uh, Michael Myers. I jumped to him putting the sheet on. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Myers, a deliberate movements in this um which he has a really weird uh movement which uh michael myers in this was played by nick castle mostly he was also played by pretty much everyone else on set <laughs> um including deborah hill and john carpenter i think at one point put the mask on i think they just anyone they could when they needed him they put the mask on uh but nick castle did it the most and nick castle famously went on to direct the Last Starfighter, which is a great 80s movie that I've also mentioned previously on this show. Which I believe I have also mentioned as 
not having seen. You should check it out. It's uh, the book. It's the movie the guy who wrote Ready Player One ripped off twice. Oh, that that makes perfect sense actually. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least the at least the last Starfighter is very open about how it's a wish fulfillment film. Yeah. But uh, and uh, we should say that uh, Nick Castle's uh, very he Nick Castle is coming back to play Michael Myers in the new one. Yep, and this time I believe he played it at least like ninety percent all the way through. He's older now, but yeah. I, th- I think he did it. Like, I, th- I think he did it mostly too, um, which is kind of like it's the exact opposite of bringing Peter Mayhew back to bleach Chewbacca for a couple scenes. Yeah. Oh, but he he's old. Yeah. That's no. No. I, I love everyone. I love Peter Mayhew. I'm just shout. Give him a shout out. Yeah. Um, I hope they just put him in Star Wars as himself at some point. Like, oh, that'd be great. Just you know, as I'm a guy. Like, yeah. Fucking so Warwick. that way you could still be in it without having to like go through the whole process. Yeah, Warwick Davis was as himself in Phantom Menace, so why not? Yeah. Um, but and he came back for Solo. Yeah. Woo! No one cares. Anyway, uh, I like say it. that uh, Michael Myers' movements have a very specific inspiration, um, which is. The robotic cowboy played by Yul Brenner in the film Westworld. Which is a great movie Which is a for great, anyone who hasn't seen it. It's like 90 minutes long. <laughs> and, and it's great. You get much more out of it than you will out of the overly long, pretentious, I wish I could find a better word, but it's pretentious, TV series. Westworld's a good movie. <laughs> Predicted the computer virus before it happened. And so Yul Brenner's a robotic cowboy in that, and at the end of the movie, he chases our hero nonstop for, like, the last 30 minutes. It's a nonstop chase. And he keeps basically the same pace for most of it. And, you know, it's he, he is the uh, proto-slasher uh, killer. Unstoppable killer. Because he's unstoppable. He's literally unstoppable. He's a robot. Uh, Mike, Michael Myers is unstoppable because he's not really human. He's an, He's an idea. I was about to go off on a Terminator tangent, but I, I'm not. I'm trying to keep us like on track to finish up the episode. Well, yeah, that's you know that's that's kind of the. I'll just say it. It is the archetype kind of going through it. You know. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just Terminator took it back to the robots, <laughs> um, and then got boring. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Terminator's good though. Terminator's a good horror movie. Terminator is the fucking best. That's what it is. You know what's a really sad moment in this movie? Um, when, when Lori finds all her friends dead. That, yeah. Which, <laughs> that's really you, fucked up. That's a, can you imagine a more terrifying thing to happen? Well, I, because she, she discovers her friend strung up on the bed mm-hmm. uh, with the tombstone. She walks back into the doorway. A body falls from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Then she goes over to the closet, and the closet opens, and another one of her friends is dead in the closet. Yes, it's a lot. I think uh, that's why I think you know maybe some of the slasher elements don't hold up for some people, but I do think the last like twenty minutes of this movie are still pretty scary. Um, it's a different sort of scary, if that makes sense. Not not because people like don't get it or anything like that. I, I that might be part of it every once in a while. Like if I'm being honest, but it's because of what what people get so used to with um, the movies that are put out nowadays. Yes, it, like it's not it's not like sanitized horror or anything like that. It's just 
there's it's almost like an algorithm you, you plug in to get a certain movie to come out of certain studios. Well, think about know? let's think about some of the scare shots in this movie and compare it to how it might be done today. <laughs> um, one that uh, left a big impression on me as, as a kid was uh, when uh, Nancy, that's the girl's name, um, not the actress's ah fuck it. Um, <laughs> Nancy, uh, just Nancy. The girl, the first girl killed. Uh, she uh, walks in through the back door, and the doors open, and you briefly see Michael Myers in the window on the outside, and then she walks away, and then when the camera comes back, he's gone, and you realize that means he's in the house now, and that's terrifying. The other one I think about is uh, after Lori discovers all her friends murdered, now she realizes that something is fucking up. <laughs> But she is. She is. It has no embodiment. She doesn't know that it is a killer. Um, she backs into a corner, and brilliant lighting. They slowly turn the light up above Michael Myers, and his face slowly becomes. You can slowly make out the shape of his uh, face. Huh? Uh, and uh, and then you go, <gasps> and then he tries to stab her. So it's like, oh my so... god, that's. Or just think of the suspense. I mean, we talk about the first act of this film taking place during daytime. And that's, like, really interesting because most horror movies don't, like, do just kind of, like, basic daytime. But it kind of adds this weird suspense of you're waiting for it to get dark. And I think it adds this interesting suspense element to the whole film. And once it gets dark, it, it really just doesn't stop. It's, yeah. it's a pretty vicious movie. Like, there's, there's really not a lot of blood. Like, I, like barely any. In this, and now let's um, let's let's but, think about fuck. let's think about how they would do these scares today. Um, cut to that clip from the new Halloween trailer where Michael Myers appears in the closet, and it's <laughs> a very loud music sting when he pops up. So yeah, uh, you know what? That's still more inventive than like half the fucking slasher movies oh, like ever made. Yeah, well, like that's. Not- that's fun. That's they, fun. That's not like that's not quality of like John Carpenter scares because you just can't really touch that. But that's fun, you know. They stopped. Going and that's fun in like a creative way, not in like a. I don't have anything better to do with my afternoon. You know. They stopped going for scares at all at some point, and they just became about violence. Um, yeah, which is which is a bummer. Which that, that kind of happens with like all these franchises we talk about, I guess, but. Yeah. Which, in a post-legalized uh, torture world, we're no longer bothered by violence. Mm. So, hey, I got had to bring it back to the war on terror. No, 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 I'm not stopping you. I'm uh, uncomfortable with the truth. Yeah, hey, that's what people come to me for, for some reason. <laughs> a man ain't gonna hold you down. Here's a true story. Someone I hadn't seen in a while came up to me at a wedding once. And asked what I'd been up to. And I said, I've been reading a book about how Al-Qaeda formed. And then I proceeded to talk for 30 minutes about how Al-Qaeda formed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's me. I did that with the history of the X-Men one time, so. <laughs> you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I one time went on about the Flintstones way too long. So I guess that's even worse. Gives a fuck. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be fucking furious at me right now, but I have to compare one movie I saw or two movies actually I saw this year 
that reminded me of some general creativity. Say Jurassic World set and pieces. die. Don't say it. I know. We're I'll say one. Don't say it. Movie. Don't, say <laughs> it. don't fuck. Don't you fucking dare. Don't say Jurassic World. If you utter those words, I'll, I'll fucking end you. This <laughs> Strangers Pray at Night okay. is generally pretty inventive with the way it uses uh, lighting and shadows and and its horror set. There's there's a little like shock factor like because every fucking horror movie has that nowadays. Um, but also, I th- a lot of people talk about Hereditary. Hereditary is fucking great. Uh, I never want to watch it again. <laughs> if you want to watch, if you want to watch inventive, really depressing but very creative horror set pieces, watch Hereditary. Uh, just know you're getting a really fucked up movie, and I didn't know that going in. Hereditary. So that's why I feel uncomfortable watching it. Hereditary is the most I've laughed at a movie all year. <laughs> um, not to say it's not; it is definitely really fucked up. But something was up in my head that day, and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um. But also, The Strangers Pray at Night, I didn't really hear people talking about it, and I was actually surprised. It was like, holy shit, just a quality B-level slasher movie with idiots for main characters, but really creative horror stuff. Like, like you could tell they watched a shitload of John Carpenter before filming it. Because mm. it's just like, it, it's, it's a John Carpenter movie, not made by John Carpenter. Uh, like, the way the camera moves, and like, when people say a movie has good cinematography... It means more than just the pictures are pretty, you know? It means, like, the camera's actually motivated, and it's actually informing the audience of what's occurring in the scene with you. And with horror, a lot of that territory comes with lights and shadows. And it knows... So to bring it back to Halloween, that is the entire finale of the movie. Yeah, good cinematography knows when to hit you with its images, and not to make that the entire movie so you get numb to it by the end. Yeah. Not not naming any names. <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. Oh, because everyone will hate me. Uh, say it. Uh, Mandy. Mandy didn't do anything for me. Okay, that's fair. But I'm sure. You know what though? I I know I'm wrong. I just it didn't work for me. Okay. There's there's movies you walk out of and you go, that went over my head. <laughs> same <laughs> same with uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, um, which I've enjoyed reading a lot about, and I don't think I care to ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I might watch a Once Upon a Time in America three times this week. So there goes twelve hours. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how how much more can we say about Halloween? Just like it's kind of the peak slasher. There's really nothing else that might be able to touch it until like the Craven era. There really is so much to talk about that I feel like we will miss something. So oh, probably, but I mean, like but thankfully right now. we have a lot of really planned <laughs> sequels that we could just keep coming back to this one. Woo! Um, one thing I do want to point out again that uh, is a really interesting moment for me um, is that you know, Michael. There's the scene we see Michael Myers face in this. Which I think is at a point in the movie, we're revealed that he is just a man. And he is so desperate. He gets his mask knocked off and then he puts it back on. And he's so desperate to put that mask on, he basically lets himself get shot. (laughs) Yeah, and that happens right at the very end before, like, what should be like the heroic kazaa moment, you know, or whatever the how people fucking react. I don't know how people react to this shit, but like. That should be a, like almost a cheerworthy moment, you know. It's just, but it's, it's a really weird not. moment. Um, a lot of mixed emotions in it. 
um, where you think a lot about Michael Myers and what he has become or what he's decided to embody. Uh, and it's pretty depressing. Also, I think he got stabbed in the eye, but we definitely don't see that wound. So that's an interesting thing. Oh, no, 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 he gets stabbed in the neck, I think. He gets stabbed in the neck, but he all, doesn't he all, he gets a hanger in his eye. Oh, fuck, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. why he drops the knife. Okay, you're right, you're right. Which might be one of the most intense scenes ever. In the- oh, fuck, yeah. But, um, and then he gets shot six times by Dr. Loomis, and he falls out a window, but then he's not there. And we just hear his breathing and see all the locations, and now he is everywhere. That fucked me up watching that this time. A, like, it, that really, it is that really sank into me, like, into my core. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. Mm. John Carpenter, you sick motherfucker. It's, it's creepy. It's, at its core, Halloween is a point A to point B slasher. But then you realize there's like A.1, A.2, A.3. And like all these little pieces moving in between that, that little destination. It's not a complex movie. Well, think about how I described how the producers wanted to do this, which was the babysitter murders set on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Think of that's how that sounds like every other slasher film ever made. <laughs> and think about how much this stands out from the rest. Even though it precedes a lot of them, it still stands out. And that's because there's a lot more going on. If you think about the movie you're making, you can make you can make it more than just a generic slasher film. Um, which is something I think some filmmakers should think about. You should probably think about, you know the politics of your film or the context and don't try to say you're apolitical because that's usually just means boring. Uh, you're either boring or you're saying some fucked up shit and you don't want to take, like, you don't want to have a discussion about it. I'm not even willing to say that. I just think people who... I'll say that. I know, fucking... no, but I'm just saying the most people who try to make apolitical work, like, that's their intention. They end up making really boring films. That's just something I think needs to be pointed out. Uh, Oh no, the Flyers are losing. Fucking get gritty on the ice. <laughs> gritty, 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 gritty. And then cut to the last little bit of the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Defender of the workers, gritty. <laughs> we are a pro-gritty podcast. Everyone, I, if you're not pro-gritty, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I, uh, I know the guy who invented gritty. Really? Yes. <laughs> but that that's, is, that's something. But that is a story <laughs> for another <laughs> podcast. For this podcast, I just want to say on the record that, Matt, I will pay you human money to watch Fallen Kingdom. I don't care. <laughs> I fucking want to watch it. <laughs> I will send you a copy. Do, all right. Do you, do you, you can take a guess. I don't think I need to say what will happen. You will burn it. I might do a couple things to it. <laughs> you might eat it. I don't know. I might, I might do something that's at least filmable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's too bad, because you will have a reaction to it that is not Jurassic World. I don't care. I It'll take ten years before I can visit it. All right. I, I'll wait. Patiently. Okay. Where can people find you? <laughs> Why'd you gotta make me all angry, man? <laughs> What's with people making me angry? 
everyone's everyone's getting on old Matt Garingo's case. <laughs> just let me be. Um, I'm at Emperor OTN at Twitter.com and YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter at DEWG Waffles, Waffle Press. Like, subscribe, check out my writings at Talk Film Society because it's spooky season. And uh, we're going to be doing a whole retrospective on the entire Halloween franchise. Yay. It's a lot. I'll See, it's, I, it's funny because we're starting right when the new movie comes out. Yep. <laughs> this is great timing, Diego. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way we were going to do a fucking dozen movies immediately after it the Predator. It wasn't like we had some very bad strategizing initially with the Predator films. Also, to everyone listening, I might be resurrecting a podcast this Halloween season. Oh, <laughs> are you really? Are you? Are you actually? Happy Halloween! <laughs> You've been professionally unprofessional. He came home.